Anybody willing to share? Anybody willing to share? Yes. Food in your mouth, we'll wait for you. Yes. A prayer life, okay? Yes, sir. To be helpful, kind, yeah. Okay? To be helpful and kind, yes. Choose a life to please God. You, you got a bunch of church people in here today. All right, come on. Let's, let's get to the real stuff, people. I mean, I get it. I get it. You're trying to be good, but what do you want for them? Come on. They'll know what an iceberg is. Okay, that's, that's all right. I, you, you get where he's going there? Very nice. Very nice. Happiness. To be happy. Okay? All right? To be healthy. To be healthy. Okay? All right? To get a job, to, to be a productive citizen, right? Okay? To, to launch. Get out of the house, right? Not living in my basement, right? Hear that? Anyway. Okay, you're not chewing now. Get right back to Christy. Okay? Use this. She's been given to the best of her ability. Very good. Very good. I, you know, I think... One, I think if you, if, you, if you would ask every single mother or father who has any shred of decency in them at all, what they want, many, I mean, the things that we have said, the things that we have said are pretty universal, right? What's interesting to me is, um, not necessarily in this community, but there are communities not very far from here where what families want, what parents want for their children is for them not to get incarcerated, for them not to get shot, for them not to get caught up in a gang, for them not, a lot of nots, I mean, they want those other things, but, but the fear, the real fear of what the community that surrounds them is overwhelming. Because for most of us, that's not a part of our present-day reality. Just looking around here and knowing this community, that's not, a, that's not really a present-day reality. Now, we might be worried about violence. We might be worried about this. But in general, we're often not experiencing that right in our community right in our neighborhood on some daily, weekly basis. We might get it through the news feed coming through, but we're not necessarily walking around our neighborhood going, okay, um, my kid's going to get shot if they, if they go out or whatever, or at school, what's going to happen, you know? I mean, I think, I think that's just a fundamental thing that when you think about um, certain communities around the country those of us, and I'm going to speak for myself, those of us who've grown up in, in relatively um, affluent, well-to-do, white society, we haven't had to worry about that very much. Now, I didn't, we didn't grow up, you know, I didn't grow up rich. I mean, everything when I grew up was invested in the farm. I mean, we didn't, we didn't have cash flow. We had a loan from the bank every year that we paid back. You know, that was, that, was how you, that was how we did business. It was in the springtime, you went and made a deal with your banker, and you hoped they'd give you the money to buy seed and do all that for the next year because you'd, 
you'd paid off last year, and may, maybe you'd made a little bit. And that was sort of how it was. I mean, my mom made our clothes. My mom cut my hair until I graduated high school. I mean, that's just how it was. And, and again, we never knew any different. But I was, I was not afraid. I was not afraid that if I went to school, somebody was going to shoot me. I was not afraid that because of what I looked like on the outside, somebody was going to arrest me. Right? I mean, I think it's just something that, uh, I mean, and I still don't understand it. Let me just be real honest, right? I mean, I still don't, I still don't understand it. I'm still inhabiting, you know, a white guy's body. (laughs) That's probably not going to change. You know, if the Buddhists are right and there's reincarnation, which I don't think they are, then maybe maybe the next time around I get to look different, but whatever, that's... So I just want us to think about, I want us to think about that when, when we, as we think about, as we think about this thought about the life that really is life. Because for most of us in, in, in the communities and societies in which we grew up in, you know, the American dream is really still very much alive and kicking. You know, we, we, we go to school, we go to high school, we graduate. The majority of those people in this room um, went to college. You know, some of you went to trade school or whatever. You picked up a trade. You picked up a, a way of working. You, you, you graduated. You got a job or did an internship. And, and, and you, you, know, you, sort of, you sort of plug along. Now, maybe some other things come in there, you know. I mean, I mean life happens. You get married. You have kids or not. Or, or maybe somebody gets sick and dies. And, I mean, there's all those kinds of things. But for the most part... For the most part, we're still all sort of plugging along on the American dream. And really, if you think about it versus, um, you know, two, three hundred years ago, maybe 400, 500 years ago, you and I, we live in houses that are larger than what most of the princes lived in. The people who everybody were like, oh, they're gods because they own property. Most of us are already rich beyond what most people in the history of time could have ever imagined for themselves. And yet, what are we often focused on? Or maybe I should just be talking about myself, not about you. I'm not going to presume to know what you focus on. But what do I focus on? I focus on what I want. Because you know what's amazing? I've got what I need. i got clothes on my back. i got food in the fridge. I have people who actually like me who live in my home. I mean, it's kind of a cool thing. Well, most of the time. You know, I mean, I, I've got a circle of friends. I have work to do. I mean, in a sense, I mean, living the dream. And yet, again, talking about myself, there are weeks and months that go by that I am incredibly frustrated with my station. Incredibly frustrated. Need more money in that in that 401k, or for me it's a 403b, but whatever. Um, you know, a, a friend a friend of ours recently, um, we were talking about retirement savings, and, and she just she looked at me and she said, "You can never save enough." Wow, that'll send chills down your spine. 
Those of you who are in your 20s, sock it away, baby, because you'll never be able to save enough. What? I mean, that, I mean, but I think in some sense that, that's, that can be part of the, the insidiousness of our culture. Is that we always feel like, and I talked about this last week, like we're chasing that next dollar. We're chasing that next thing. And we think, we think that the next thing is going to be the thing that's going to give us joy and happiness and life that is really life. If I just get this done. And I'm not talking about, don't, I'm not saying don't strive, don't, don't try to do new things. Don't try, you know, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not like, oh, just go home and meditate. And be at peace. No, not, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, when, when, we get, when we get a little unsettled is oftentimes when we do our best work. But, but let's be unsettled about the right things. I want to read to you. And this is not, and this, unfortunately, this isn't a new, this isn't new. This isn't new. I'm going to read to you from... 1 Timothy chapter 6, um, and Paul's doing a little preaching here, so get ready. He's, he's, gone, from, he's gone from preaching to meddling, really, is what we would say in the, in the business. Um, and so I, I want to read this to you. This is, this is uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 6, and he's been saying a bunch of things to Timothy. And then he says, Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world, so that we can take nothing out of it. That old saying, right? There's there's no U-Haul behind the hearse. As much as we'd like to hope that there is, there's no U-Haul behind the hearse. We came in naked and screaming, and some of us will go out naked and screaming. That's what we have. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. How many of us are content with food and clothing? Apparently, I want more food than I need. I'm not content with the food that is the need. I want more. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I mean, we can just look around, right? There are so many people who have, who have, who have become wealthy beyond imagination, who have, who have gotten into some serious trouble. Again, I'm a golfer, so, I mean, sort of think about Tiger Woods. I mean, that guy had everything. I mean, he worked, worked, worked to be the best in his field. I mean, he and he was the top, top, top. But there was something in him. <laughs> and I think because of his wealth, he was able to, to do things that led, in many ways, to a destruction of his life in his relationship. And he's got a long way to come back. The riches don't heal that kind of brokenness. That's a spiritual kind of brokenness. A spiritual kind of brokenness. And it can get 
it can get fueled. It can get fueled by the riches if, if the riches become the thing. And here, you've heard this a million times, but hear it correctly. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not, not money is the root, but for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. For the love of money. Um, again, I want to just say, Jesus, Jesus talks about money and possessions more, second, second only to the kingdom of God. Am I right, Nate? In the Bible, we think Jesus talks about the kingdom of God more than money and possessions, but money and possessions is right, is number two. Because money and possessions get in the way of honoring the kingdom of God oftentimes. We're, we're just susceptible to that. So he's just, he's just addressing that. And so in Luke and, and, and in the fall here, we're really, we're really getting hammered with this stuff. And so, and so he's just, so Paul here is just naming this for us. And again, he's naming it when? A couple thousand years ago. So this is not a new problem. This is not a new problem. But as for you, and it says, I think it says man of God, I'm going to say people of God. Shun all of this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. This is great language because so oftentimes it is a fight. It is much easier to let your mind go along with the ways that the world would want to take us. I'm not saying that the world is evil. I'm just saying that the way we set up our economies, the way we set up our lives, is there's a constant push for us to want more and more and more and more and more for ourselves. For ourselves. And so it is a fight. It is a fight that when you're choosing between the Coca-Cola and the apple to ask God, what do I really need? What do I really need? Take hold of the eternal life. Take hold of the life of the age to come to which you were called and for which you were made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives all life to life to all things and of Jesus Christ who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will bring about at the right time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light. Whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. It's sort of like Paul gets off on this tangent about how great God is and how great Jesus is and, and all that. And it's sort of like we need to remember that. Pursue this holiness and pursue this justice and pursue this mercy. Because we quickly we quickly move from need to have to nice to have. We quickly move from need to have to nice to have. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Wow, just think about, I mean, think about the folks who just got decimated in 2008. You know, those folks who were just right retirement age. Boom, 
half of everything they'd been saving, investing, whatever, gone in like a three-week period. Gone. set our hopes on riches. But set your hope, rather, on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's what I love about this, is it's like, it's not saying, oh, well, you need to be an aesthetic, and you need to wear, you know, sackcloth and ashes every day, and you need to walk around carrying a sign saying, the end is near. God provides for our enjoyment. Sometimes we get enjoyment mixed up with entertainment. Those who are rich are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. The life that really is life. And I think what Paul is saying here is there's something so beyond what we think is a good life, and it is available to us in God. And yet, because of our brokenness, because of our short-sightedness, we get so focused on our wants that we lose that we have been given everything that we need. We want for our children riches. And I don't mean just money-wise. Yes, we want, them, we want them to be successful, have a job, get out of the house, do that thing. But, you know, we, we, often, we often have our children so rich in soccer and dance and in baseball and in singing and in programming that they're missing enjoyment. They're missing an opportunity to share with those whose families are worried about whether or not that child's going to get shot. These kids aren't playing soccer. They're not getting lessons a lot of the time. They're coming home to an empty house in the afternoon because mom is out busting her tail, you know, two, three jobs just to try to make that better way for that child. And what do I get all wrapped up about? Is my kid involved in enough stuff? Am I setting them up to get into the right college? Hear all those words, the right one? We want to set people up for success. We want to set people up for a life that truly is life. We want, we, we want all of that. But I, but I think, and I know in my own heart, I get misguided on this. Because I've been so richly, richly blessed, I get blinded by it. And I get focused on my wants. And what happens is when I get focused on my wants and my desires, I can't see what's going on in other people's lives. And in fact, Jesus talks about this 
in, in, um, in Luke chapter 16, you go read it, it's called the story, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Not the Lazarus that gets resurrected from the dead, but a different Lazarus. Apparently Lazarus is a very popular name back in biblical times. Um, not so much today. Um, also, did you know that nobody names their kid Ebenezer? You ever thought about that? The Christmas carol totally ruined Ebenezer for people. Because you know that Ebenezer, you know, in the song, Here I Raise My Ebenezer, nobody knows what that means. It means stone of help. It means stone of help. It's a biblical reference, and you can go look that up. It's kind of a cool reference. I always forget what it is. I have to go look it up. But the rich man and Lazarus, and, and, and it says, talks about this rich man. The rich man, he, he, you know, lived in his house, and he ate sumptuous meals, and wore, sumpt- and wore sumptuous clothes, and and all that, and outside, outside of his gate for that entire, that man's entire life was Lazarus who was begging. And the rich man never saw him. Literally never saw him. He was so focused on his desires and on his wants, on his insulation from everything that's going on around him. He never saw him. And so they die. Lazarus, it says, is, is, is being comforted in the bosom of Abraham. What a great Know, like Abraham's a mother just gathering up a child, just comforting this child of Abraham. And the rich man's like, it's hot, you know, it's hot here because you know, for them, Gehenna, this 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 lake of fire, which was which actually it was a real thing, and we can talk about this sometime. This 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 burning pit of refuse that never went out, and they were all it was it was, and and, and you still have the Valley of Hinnon, which is. Which is, which is where it is, which is right in Jerusalem, basically, just outside. Um, it doesn't burn anymore, but anyway, it's still there. You can walk down in it. Um, but they thought that that's sort of where you would go to get tormented because the fire never went out. And so here they are, and there's this chasm between them, and, and the, the rich man is saying, Father Abraham, he doesn't even address Lazarus. He says, Father Abraham, have him like dip his finger in some water and, and give me something to drink because so, it's so hot here, I'm so thirsty. And Abraham says, basically, there's a chasm here. I, I can't help you. And he says, well, then send, send to my siblings. Send him to my siblings and have him tell them what fate awaits them if they don't begin to see around them. And he says, Abraham says, they've got the law and the prophets. It wouldn't do any good... If we sent someone to them, you get the, the biblical reference about Jesus. Jesus is talking about the fact that he's been sent to us to open our eyes to what's around us. Did you know that Virginia leads the nation in something that we ought to be very proud of? Very proud. Adolescent incarceration. We jail more kids and teenagers than any other state in the nation. Something wrong with that, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, shouldn't that get us a little bit worked up? I mean, my kid's not in jail. I don't think any of your kids are in jail at the moment. Hopefully they never will ever have to deal with that. 
But that's around us. And I didn't know that. I, I just, I bawled my eyes out. I mean, that ripped me up. Kids in jail. And I get it. Adults making decisions, doing stupid stuff, you know. Maybe we could have helped them when they were kids and, and maybe, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I don't know what to do about that. I don't know what to do about a lot of things. But what I know is this, is that Jesus calls us out of ourselves. If we're going to live the life that's really life, we're going to have to get out of this myopic focus on our own selves, and we're going to have to look around our community, and we're going to have to figure out where God is at work, and we're going to have to dig deep, humble ourselves, and go figure out how we can link arms with those who really need our help. That's where the juice is. That's where the life that really is life is. Can you imagine what would happen? And maybe some of you are already doing this. If you partner with a family who's been struggling, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they've had families that have been, been incarcerated for two or three generations, and you're able to somehow work with them, and maybe it takes another two generations. You know, Maybe it's a lifelong project for you. You pick one family, and you do something, and all of a sudden, that one child makes it out and is a light for that family. Just imagine. What if instead of one more soccer team for our kids, we figure out a way to make it possible for kids who wouldn't have that to have a soccer team or to have a coach or to have a Gatorade boy? Because right here in the city of Richmond, we've got a problem. We're still fighting the Civil War. We've got a race problem, we've got a skin problem, and we've got a sin problem. And I'll, and I'll be honest, I don't, know, I don't have an answer. But what I know is that we as people of faith, we are the ones. Black, white, green, and yellow, who are called people who follow Jesus. We are the ones who are called to get out of ourselves, get out of our myopic focus on ourselves, and to, and to use the resources we've been given because we have what we need to use the abundance of our lives to, to change other people's lives, to allow God to work through us to change other people's lives. I don't know what that looks for you. Heck, I don't know what it looks, looks like for me yet. I mean, one of the things that we've done here at Westminster is when we had the chance to partner with Aframe Church, which is a church of, of some African immigrants and some African Americans who who come together in the name of Jesus, and they're, they're part of it in our denomination. When we, had the, when we had the chance to partner with them and to have them come here and worship with us so they could be closer to the people that, that are part of their ministry and, and perhaps to be able to have that ministry grow, I was like, sign us up, because this will push us. This will push us and open us up to realities and communities that we just don't operate in. So we're still trying to figure all that out, you know? How do we partner together with folks who grew up much differently than we did, but who have the same hopes and dreams for their children? Who have the same belief in Jesus Christ that Jesus transforms and changes lives? How do we do that, figuring that out? Part of this renovation that we want to do with our sanctuary and, and all of that is so that this facility can be even more of a tool for the gospel. 
Yes, it's going to be nice to have, isn't it? <laughs> a space where, 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 where we can have more people in worship, where, where we can use it for all kinds of other things, where we can, we can use that facility in a much better way than we are at, at the moment, and, and a, more, a more full way. Nice to have, and we're going for it. But it's, that's not the reason we're doing it. It's not just for us. And we'll be honest, it is for us. I mean, let's be honest, it's for us. But what we want is we want God to use that in such a way to, to get us out in the community, to be a light to the nation, because that's what we're called to do. Because we have been given so much abundance, it is, in, it is on us to get out of this myopic focus, to have Jesus break us out of that. To change people's lives through the Spirit. Can you imagine? Just dream a little bit. All the people coming together, living a life of peace. You know that song? Imagine Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream, which is really the dream of the mountaintop when all people come together, north and south and east and west, and all people come to peace together in the name of God. That's the life. It really is life. So today, I just... I'm not preaching at you. I hope you know that. This preacher always starts by preaching to himself. So I'm encouraging myself, I'm challenging myself to think about how I'm living my life. I encourage you to do the same. What are the priorities? What, where, where is it that you could break out of the focus that you're in and open yourself to something that could be really difficult but so needed in this community. And I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be easy. You're, we're going to have to humble ourselves because we often think we know everything. And the older I get, the more I realize I know almost absolutely nothing. And through the mercy of God, I'm able to operate. For today, may we not be like the rich man in the rich man and Lazarus. May we listen to the one who was sent to us. May he break open our hearts with love for our fellow man, woman, and child. That all people, that we might work so that all people have opportunities have their needs fulfilled for food, for shelter, for safety, for work. That together we form a web of support and care and comfort and challenge that lifts everyone up. In the name of Jesus. Amen.